Welcome back to Idle Chatter, special harvest edition of Idle Chatter. If you happened to listen last week, then you'll know that I'm doing these abbreviated short shows because Sue Moore is over on out of the country on vacation, and I am in harvest, and I was not able to pull uh, enough content forward, a regular Idle Chatter, so this is a harvest edition, and uh the next three weeks it's going to be this way and i apologize as i did last week for that and i will hopefully god willing be back when well, i will be back god willing on october 4th with a regular full-blown farm machinery digest focused idle chatter the way it's supposed to be not like i am doing now but uh so i want to thank you so much for listening and i sincerely hopeful hope that everything is going well for you in your life and in your farm or ranch operation now well, we are in harvest as i said and just to reiterate in case you didn't catch last week's show i'm going to do three of these and i'm going to i'm pulling these ahead and so sue could post them uh prior to her going out of the country because i do i am not able to do that i don't have the ability to do that uh, from Cat Swamp Road, and nor have I learned how to do it, nor do I have the inclination of how to do it. Uh, the radio show goes, I'm able to send that through a program called We Transfer, which if you ever have to send large files, you could you know, try that. It's free. They have a free version, and I send my radio show, so that is totally independent of Sue, except when it's posted the following week as a podcast, and I just hit the microphone. And so uh, that is that. So I'm doing these ahead of time. And so you're only going to be able to hear what's happening with the har. <coughs> excuse me, with the harvest right now. But I'm hoping to make this like a, a chat between friends. And too bad I cannot hear you and you could only hear me. So please reach out to me. I will be checking my email at hotrodfarmer at farmmachinerydigest.com and let me know what's happening with you <clears throat> with your life with your operation everything and uh want to also remind you that on the radio show i'm going to be doing that new uh those i almost say segments i i don't know why i always struggle over the word i'm going to be doing those um well, every once in a while why can't i form a sentence every once in a while uh that series series is the word i'm looking for i'm saying segment uh ask the person that owns one so if you have a something out there and it's uh you have to be i didn't say this to, i said this on the show last time but uh but you have to be the original owner i don't want somebody who says well i bought this thing used and it stinks so original owner a road vehicle probably no more than three years old and a piece of farm equipment probably up to five six seven eight years old and as i said um, when i introduced it is that that could be a center pivot it could be a grain elevator it could be a truck it could be a tractor it could be seed meters maybe you updated different seed meters in an older plant that's fine ask the person that owns one right do you like those seed meters and do you like this this uh this uh, gps system do you like this monitor so uh we can do that and bring that information to the audience so let me see what else i wanted to tell you because it's like you know we're having a cup of coffee 
but I don't have a cup of coffee here. Or maybe you do. Uh, and we're going to be chatting a little bit. Well, uh, let's see. The, uh, one of my one cat, Faith. Uh, Faith and Hank somehow knew I was in the cornfield harvesting and came from the house. And these are inside-outside cats. I mean, so they hopefully sleep in the house at night. For the most part, they do. And uh, but they're outside here in the farm all day long, and we keep the when we're here we keep the basement door open so they come in and out, and and because they come in and out they like to bring everything in. And uh, last uh, they they bring cr- uh, crickets in. A few years ago, my beloved Donald he brought a cicada in, <laughs> so I live with that cicada trying to record radio shows for quite some time. Uh, sadly they don't live too long once they come out of ground but they make a lot of noise in the basement of a house let me tell you when you're trying to do recordings so but they bring everything in here obviously you know uh faith he brought a bird in the other day thank god the bird they're very very they i have to say donald is the same way they're very very sweet they don't they don't try to really hurt anything they're trying to just break bring it in and uh faith he had a bird down here the other day thank god i was able to catch it the poor thing and uh put it outside and put it on the branch of a tree then hopefully god willing it didn't appear visually appear to be hurt but uh, definitely uh traumatized by the event but anyway so faith and hank followed me down and well samuel also but different times followed me into the cornfield i think the first or second day of harvest and they said, what are you doing down here? And I don't know where these cats go during the day. Uh, as long as they're safe and they don't go on the road or do anything that endangers them, they could have, let them have the time of their life. So I had gleaned from the way Faith was acting that she was never down in the cornfield before. <laughs> so she thought it was real cool. So, but like anybody who has animals, dogs or cats or any other thing, they come to say hello to you when they're not supposed to be there. And they say hello and they acknowledge you, which is very respectful and very nice. But they want to make sure that you don't grab them and take them away from there. So they would, so they would only let me, she would only let me pet her on a run. So she'd run past me. I could run my hands across her. And uh, she thought it was the most wonderful thing out in the field, the cornfield there. And then, <clears throat> like I said, uh, uh, Samuel came down, and then Samuel saw me picking corn. So he decided that he was going to try it himself. So he was jumping up, trying to, uh, I don't know if he was trying to get the, the ears off, but he was jumping up onto the corn stalks by the ear, and then uh, either well, I'm going to say snapping. It wasn't, he didn't do much damage. He's a cat, but I mean, he could snap some. I'm not going to worry if I'm snapping corn. Then that's not a problem. But it was very, very precious. If I had a means to film it, it would have been on a um, YouTube video. To him trying to uh, to pick his own corn. We had a dog, Sparky, said, and Sparky sadly has been gone, oh my God, 20 years. 2003, Sparky died. Boy, does time fly by. Terrible terrible and he used to go pick his own corn spark used to go in the cornfield because we've always raised sweet corn so it's not like he's picking field corn and he would go in there and i thought my father said to my father why is why why are you going in the field and pulling this corn down i said i'm not pulling the corn down i thought you were doing it so and then he would go and he would smell each ear of corn 
on the stalk. And because sweet corn, the ears are relatively low, even with the high bread that we grow, it's unlike it's a silage corn and the, the ear of corn is up four feet high and the stalk is 15 feet high. So um, he would go around, smell it, and then he would take the take it in his mouth and he would, and he would, and, and break the, he'd break the corn off. Sometimes he'd break the stalk and come with the stalk and he'd go out into the, uh, into the, um, I guess you call it the pathway around the field where we keep motor, like a traffic lane on the grass there, and he would peel the corn back and he would rotate it and he'd eat it, he'd go and get another one. And uh, it was the it was the, it was the uh, cutest thing to see. But he was such a fuss pot because I said, I would say to him, Sparky, come over here, come over here. But this one, this one's really, really nice. Look at this one. And he had no compunction to insult my corn picking prowess. Because if he came over and he smelled that one for some reason, he didn't want it. He'd walk away from me and pick his own. So I mean, I mean, he would choose his own because you always had to let him pick it. If you picked it for him, he didn't want it. He wanted, but he also had to choose his own. So, uh, but what happened with Faith is that she was in the field all day, and I every time I tried to say, "Come on, Faith, come on, Faith, let's go, let's go back home, come on, Faith," and it's I mean the distance is close is, is close enough. This is not a big farm. The distance is close enough. We could walk through another field to get there, a little field that we have and. And, well, we don't have any crop in it. We just, it's a little bit grown over this year. We used to put crop in it, and uh, I say it's, uh, it's, 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 it's non paid conservation land, like everything here. But anyway, so she um, didn't want to follow me. So I said, all right, well, I just assumed that she had, I guess the cricket is back. I guess I assumed that she had been down there to the, I know she's been up way up in the woods. But uh, there's there's about a th- collectively, I would say, but it's an odd shape. There's probably seven hundred to a th- probably a thousand acres behind us that are completely forested, if not a thousand close to it. But I'd say it's probably shaped more like a like an L. So our farm is the short part of the L, and then you go up into into our forest and then there's another uh person's land there and then it goes uh if you're st- going from our farm to the left i would say probably two or three miles if not longer so so uh, it's, it's i mean it's probably collectively like i said there's a th- maybe a thousand acres there or it could be possibly a little bit more and there is uh nothing there uh way up on the uh on the top of the mountain, there's a, uh, a water tower for that. For uh, but other than that, there's nothing there. So uh, so anyway, <clears throat> I know Faithy goes up in the long part of the yell. <clears throat> so I just figured she's been down in the cornfield, just not there when I'm there. And they so what happened was she didn't want to come up with me. She says, "All right, well she'll come up." And the, it's already you know the end of the day, and Faithy never came. Never came calling her, calling her, calling her. So she never came, and then, uh, which is not unusual. They're wonderful. With it. I mean, they're wonderful when you call them. They come if they want to come. They're like dogs, but uh, they'll come. But uh, and then I said, all right, fine. Ended up uh, had to go to bed. Got up a couple of times at night to go look for her. Put the light on outside and calling her because she would come. Uh, they would come if they were came back home and they wanted to come in. 
uh, they would come and they would meow when you call them. So they come to the door and uh, no faith. So I said to Charlotte, I said, this, this is terrible. So I said, oh God, I said, uh, I hope we didn't lose her. I don't know. I, I said to Charlotte, I didn't think that she knew how to, I had, I had a feeling that when she was playing, jerking around, for lack of better words, in the cornfield, not letting me, you know, because it was already getting dark. I said, come on, Faith, I'll show you, come with me and follow me or I'll pick you up and carry you. And she didn't want it. She was like a kid who didn't want to get out of a swimming pool. And uh, and now it's uh, we're out of the ocean, and now it's really it's not time to be in the ocean. So I went down the next morning, and uh, I said a prayer, and uh, and I called her, and uh, she meowed, uh, she meowed faintly, and then I found her in the cornfield by God's grace, and she was uh, she was actually uh, <clears throat> I'd have to say I don't want to say completely spooked. But unnerved because uh, she meowed, but she was uh, she was uh, uh, laying uh, huddled up next to not even really laying huddled up next to a uh, a stalk of corn, and our we do uh, twenty eight inch uh, twenty eight inch wide rows, and it's twenty thousand four hundred per acre, so each stalk is about eleven and a half inches apart. So she was there, and then she meowed, and then normally if she would meow like that, she'd come to me, but she just meowed, and then I. Uh, picked her up and carried her back to the house and she was uh, very very happy with that and purring but when we got about 600 feet from the house she didn't want me to carry her anymore i guess she didn't want to see want her, her her siblings to see her being carried so i had to she wanted to jump out of my arms and then she followed me back home so she had to put on a show so uh that was that and uh as far as my crop is concerned a mixed bag uh, this field, this is the first field, the smaller field, and this we had three plantings in this field. The first planting was extremely challenged by the weather. Uh, the second and third plantings were a little bit better weather, but they were not that good. I'm not, I mean, the weather was far from perfect, and or, or I, and I guess in farming you never have perfect weather, right? It was far from <coughs> it was far from being any good. I shouldn't say any good. I don't know. It was far from ideal. That's it's probably the the minimum of ideal would probably be the best way of saying it. And the corn looked like it was going to yield very well uh, in its early stages, but then what had happened, if you recall, and this is this is a hundred well ninety five percent it is on well I shouldn't say uh, pro, well a good part well yes a, a good part of it is on me and my poor management. So I mean, I'm going to take the blame for it. When you when you when you mess up in life, you got to own it, right? You can't say, oh, you got to own it. Whenever it happens, I mean, we all mess up. We're human beings. The only thing that was perfect was Christ nailed to the cross. So what happened was that the first planting saw really really bad weather conditions. It took 27 days to emerge. The second planting took about 19 days, 18, 19 days to emerge, and then the third planting in that field took about 14 days to emerge so it was obviously not good conditions it was very cold it was dry but then we uh got a we we got we got rain thank god and in that particular field obviously you need rain obviously that goes without saying but that particular field and i have to rethink my strategy i've been saying that for a long time i really have to re rethink my strategy is that uh the 
that field, the water runs off the road and then lays on the field, a good section of the field. And um, it comes, and it's it's not that the field is flooded. The field ends up, that section maybe has about a half inch worth of water on it. All right, given given if you have that type of condition. We were very dry and we got rains, we got heavy rains. And um, you would tend to think with the low CEC soil I have, and the lack of rain that it would have absorbed it and it's an, and it, it normally would all right but we had enough we went from completely dry to very wet i don't want to say very wet but we, we had enough rain that it was a even though it stopped raining so it wasn't like it that if it if it if it held a little bit of water while it was raining it wouldn't be the end of the world but the water comes off the road and off the mountain and then that actually runs at a i'm going to say a trickle and it ran for about a week because it was cold it was we had that canadian of those sadly those canadian wildfires we had the uh the uh, the haze from that it was just gloomy and dark and uh, and uh, and no photosynthesis and no real heat it was actually quite chilly uh so that water just meanders across that a good section of that field and what i've been able to glean is that i use a pre i use uh, acuron with a pint of atrazine uh, per, uh, per acre added to it and that works excellently but it does not work excellently when it has water meandering across it for six or seven days so i don't know whether it whether that drives the acuron too far away or dilutes it or takes it down with it or something takes it down towards the other end of the field i it it almost seems to me that it dilutes it so much and breaks it down that it, it so it becomes useless so what happens is that i end up getting well, like uh, this year i got which i haven't had for a year or two this bad uh, i got a flush of fall panicum and i believe it's fall panicum panicum uh and i in the fall panicum started to started to come up and i raised non-gmo sweet corn so i don't have a ton of or any real rescue options to kill a grass in the grass i have no broadleaf problems on this farm i have grass problems in that field and um and since corn is a grass crop it's, it's very hard to kill a grass in the grass and then what had happened <coughs> was that it goes back to my poor management so i kind of knew that that was going to happen and i really don't know what to do like the corn is already up it's high enough maybe like knee high or eh, probably that particular maybe a little bit less than knee high but i can't go in and spray it i can't go in with spray it with anything i can't go back and put down any acuron over the corn and then uh what i and what i was going to try to do was i was i've gone with a backpack sprayer to kill it with roundup but even though these fields are not large you'd be surprised uh how awkward and burdensome and and inefficient is probably the best way for me to say it going in there with a backpack sprayer is a 28 inch rose and uh so I mean, this is not you know this is not, no this is not a five thousand acre field 
but it looks like a 5,000 acre field when you're trying to do some, and you have a, if you have a small flush of weeds and you want to get in there and do something, you have some thistle coming up and you want to go around the perimeters with it or something, that's a different deal. But when you're trying to, you know, like akin to walking the beans, then you're trying to walk the corn with a backpack sprayer and it would be fine if the backpack that's fine i mean you know carrying it it's i mean it's heavy on your back 40 50 pounds right when it's filled up but the thing is that it's it's you if that four that four and a half five gallons doesn't go as far as you think you know so especially when you're doing with a backpack sprayer so the fact of the matter is you're constantly refilling i mean if you had some way where you had like you had a drag line attached and you're just walking so i said to myself if this ever happens again what i'm going to do is i'm going to buy a lawnmower uh cheap lawnmower and, and because the rows are 28 inches by a cheap lawnmower like a 19 20 inch wide lawnmower for 100 bucks and then i'm going to go down there when the fort when the when the the panicum gets to be about well you really can't cut it much lower with a lawnmower to three two and a half three inches so let's say the panic panicum gets a little bit more than three inches three and a half inches um go in there with the lawnmower and push because i could push it the fields are pretty uh, fields are actually pretty nice believe it or not took me years to get them that way but uh and push it and then uh, push the lawnmower and i could go up between the rows so hey if i spent a day pushing the lawnmower be better than going to the gym right and uh and cut that fall panicum down before it goes up goes you know go get before it gets gets to be a real competitor with the crop and the question and maybe somebody who's listening could answer this because i did my own research i have to talk to my agronomist about it but anyway why that didn't happen was because i and i guess this is my fault it's on me i own it uh wasn't through intentions is that i hurt my back and i was out of commission for two weeks i mean i couldn't put my socks on it took me 20 minutes in the morning to put my socks on i could not have pushed that lawnmower or done anything on this farm um for a million dollars i mean it made no difference so that happened and then i had to go to the pti farm in my other life right the professional obligations out in illinois so i lost four or five days there and then i came back from the pti farm and i had the uh cataract surgery which thank god went beautifully and i went to the doctor the other day have a glowing report it's been a real blessing it's been wonderful to me so if you put two weeks together let's say more or less five days at the pti farm and not being able to do everything for two weeks right so you got so you got four weeks five weeks six weeks right in the middle of the end of july into august whereas anybody knows about fall panicum that is like it's turbo boost season so i lost a lot of crop to the fall panicum so um that so i it it, it became a disaster and, and what happened was that so what i what what did not get basically in essence what i harvested <clears throat> what i'm harvesting that from that field is beautiful gorgeous bar none gorgeous 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 all right but i do not have the yield and i do not have the marketable yield because um that first planting 
with that cold weather and that 27 days to come up never really it, it i mean had so like i said everything i harvested was top quality but the fact of what but the key is that i was more gleaning than harvesting so uh, so that basically is that very disappointed in that that's an and last year so this is uh, lost that field for all intents and purposes and then i finally got the fence up on that which probably was a waste of time based upon <clears throat> not knowing that i was getting those if i knew about those four panicum losses i probably would not have even bothered to put the fence up and i don't have the fence up around the, the larger field which would hopefully be the money maker field all right but then that field has a different hybrid in it that i never planted before it has a hybrid i said you called obsession uh, we used to, well, we've always planted since 2008, another hybrid, I think it's called butter and sugar or something, honey and butter or something. And uh, I built my customer, it's been our signature corn, and I don't know, I mean, the obsession in the other field, I have three plantings there, the, 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 uh, that, that's a very good, to, very good, the first plantings were very good planting conditions and the second and third planting saw excellent to ideal planting conditions so that looks beautiful that looks like a it would be a bumper crop uh i say that with cautious optimism because you never know but at that particular stage it but right now it looks beautiful it's probably about a week away from the first harvest of the, the harvest of that planting the first planting in that field which would be my fourth planting if that makes sense i don't know the characteristics of that corn i don't know uh what it tastes like what it's going to look like i know what the catalog says but hey it's like you buy parts for an engine right oh they, this is the right part that fits the computer it says oh yeah but the holes are in the wrong place so who knows so god willing i'm praying that that field is uh is is going to be uh the uh, the save the savior of this year because we really haven't had a a i'm not going to say profitable i don't want to use that word we haven't really had a good crop a good harvested crop let's put it that way because in 2000 well since 2020 uh, covid year was the corn was fantastic the yield was fantastic and business was fantastic i mean it was crazy crazy i mean yeah i could have had twice as much corn and sold it so and i had beautiful yield beautiful everything was gorgeous the good lord blessed that in 21 i had a beautiful crop in this field that did not have a weed in not a fall panic i'm not anything right all right the uh everything was perfect it it's just that if if that if that field stays wet prior to the corn getting high enough to start to form some semblance of a canopy because sweet corn never does a full canopy that uh then it's golden golden all right but in 21 i had a gorgeous crop i mean could have been on a calendar you would have thought that was a roundup ready field i mean there was no weed and nothing beautiful i mean picket fence stand i mean uh, it was it was gorgeous i was so proud of it. i took pictures of that be like looking at my baby and then ironically how, how life works on the farm and just in life in general i took pictures of it all right not knowing anything right took pictures of it took it with my with my cell phone i mean not a 
not a, it's a Adam's picture, but beautiful picture, and then beautiful, gorgeous, right, and uh, proud as a peacock, and little did I know, and it's such a metaphor for life, right, two days later, it was wiped out with hail. So that, so there was, thank God I had that picture to remember it by, and that's so many times how life is, you never know what's going to happen in life, I'm not talking about the farm, just, but somebody leaves the house, you never know, you never come home again, right, or you go to bed and someone dies, or an animal goes out and doesn't come back, as we had with, you know, so far with Donald and Cream, which I'm not giving up hope on, but it's, uh, it really was, it was amazing, so so we had, and then in, so that was twenty one. We lost half the field, half the farm, with with hail, and then uh, then in twenty two, which was last year, we lost ninety five percent of our crop to drought. So, and then this year we have this. So it's uh, you know when you look back at it, and if I did, if um, if right, if I didn't hurt my back, and I don't know how I hurt my back, that was so incapacitated. I would have been able to at least kick, at least do something to beat back that fall panicum, and to uh, to some extent, and then, but I guess it is uh, wasn't the Lord's will, right? It wasn't the Lord's will. So I'm right now. I'm in the stages of, you know, thinking about next year. What am I going to do? And uh, and I have to. The question, and I start to say before, maybe somebody out there who knows the answer to it, I have to reach out to my agronomist, Ben Hushin, and ask him if he knows, is that let's say that fall panicum is about four inches high, right? And I mow it down to two inches. Let's say I could get this cheapo mower down to two inches, right? Get it down to two inches. My logic being that if I could mow it down to two inches, it's going to give the crop some time to grow bigger and bigger and, and some semblance of a canopy, all right? But will the fall panicum grow back? I'm sure that it will, I mean, grow back that season, that if you mow it, it's going to grow back up, all right? And then also, how much of the yield loss is based upon nutrient loss, and how much is based upon photosynthesis loss because the fall panicum is canopying out the corn. So those are the questions I need to have answered. So if there's some hotshot agronomists out there or farmers that have a lot of experience with that, because you may not have a degree in agronomy, but you are very experienced, then I would like to know what your thoughts are on that. So my question is, if I mow it down very low, all right, it's still going to be taking nutrients, right? Or will that kind of stunt it and kill it and put it, I don't want to say put it to bed, not dormancy, but but wound it enough, beat it up enough that its nutrient uptake is low. And then the second, and, and, and at that particular point, it's not going to be a photosynthesis issue, but I want to know how much of the impact on the, on the yield, on the corn plant, is nutrient uptake that the, that the, that the, that the weed, the invasive species, is taking versus also that it's shadowing, because that fall panicum gets us higher than the corn, <clears throat> that uh, that it's shadowing the uh, the photosynthesis. So and that basically is that. I said I wasn't going to go long. I went longer than I should have. Uh, I want to thank you so much for bearing with me. I want to thank you so much 
for uh, for for a listener to me on the sh- podcast, on the radio show, what have you. And I once again want to apologize for not having a, a a reason why you listen to me to talk about machinery and everything. And uh, and that is basically. I wanted. Uh, I just wanted to say say that uh, I appreciate appreciate every every one of you, and may God bless and keep you. And I then hopefully you tune in next week. Take care. Thank you so much. God bless. Bye-bye.